Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great story. Thank you for it, the way it is written out for us in Scripture. We thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to be swept up into your story, to become part of it, that it becomes our story. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand more, both in our hearts and in our minds. Give us ears and hearts to hear and willing lives to obey. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been uh, trying to think about this question, what are you like? What are you like as a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What, uh, in what ways could you describe it or characterize it or picture it? Um, and uh, we thought for the last couple of weeks, we thought about being like newborn babies, uh, not infantile in our faith, but like newborn babies crying out for more of the Lord, wanting to meet with him, wanting to encounter him, having tasted that he is good, wanting more. And then last week we, we had to think about being like living stones. What does it mean to be a living stone? A bit like Jesus is described as the living stone. So we are then described as living stones. And we thought a little bit about what it meant to be rejected, but also then to be chosen and precious and used in the new creation of God's new building, new temple, new people, the church. And this morning, I'm hoping we're going to have a little think together about being like royal priests or holy priests. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means that you are like a royal or a holy priest. And I just want to have a think about that and have a think, particularly in the light of those two passages we just uh, had read for us. One which describes uh, the Day of Atonement from the book of Leviticus in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call uh, the Old Testament, but which are, of course, are precious to us and immensely precious to our Jewish friends. Also, that passage from Hebrews where uh, the writer points to the new and living way opened for us. But first, I want to ask a question. Has anyone seen the Queen? Has anyone ever seen the Queen in the flesh? Anyone ever seen the Queen? Oh, wow, quite a lot of people. Excellent, excellent. Anybody ever spoken to the Queen? Actually had a little sort of conversation? No? No. Okay. Sorry? Gabby's uncle has. Excellent, excellent. Anybody else sort of, anyone met a member of the royal family? Another member of the royal family? Oh, Debbie, what took this? We're well met here. Well met here. Okay. Anyone else met a famous person? Anyone else met a famous person? Yeah. Go on, just shout them out. Who have you met? Who? Right, right. I don't know. You'll have to tell me about it afterwards. Okay. That's great. Anyone else? Sahani, who have you met? Diverse, dance group, diversity, excellent. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone famous? Julia? 
Oh, Virginia Wade, 1977, first woman winner of Wimbledon forever. That was wonderful, yes. Sorry? Shh. John Noakes. Ah, now, John Noakes. Now we are getting into serious. Yeah, John Noakes. Shep. Get down, Shep. If at, who have you met? My, no. That's serious, isn't it? Right, Brian, come on. You've got, you've got, a, lot, got a big way to climb here now. Paddy Ashdown at the Taj Mahal. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Okay. <clears throat> Meeting a famous person is 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 remarkable, isn't it? It's remarkable, and and, and you kind of you you it gives you a bit of a glow, doesn't it? it gives you a bit of a glow. Um, I, I, I've 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 met some some footballing royalty, okay, which I'll talk about a great and very boring length afterwards, okay? But it gives you a bit of a glow, doesn't it? It gives you a bit of a glow. But I don't know if you found this. When you've met your famous person and you've had just your sort of 30 seconds, they go on, don't they? They move on. And, and, and they go on to sort of bless other people with their presence. And you're left sort of, you know, thinking, well, that was it then. That was it. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's kind of over, it was great, but it's over. You don't get a sort of reaccess, do you? You don't be able to go, you're not able to go back and, and meet them again and say, well, actually, what I really meant to say was this, or I've got this really witty thing that I was going to say to you now. And I would you can't do that, can you? The point I'm trying to make is we have that kind of access to God. We have the kind of access which enables us to go to him time and time and time again. And that when we go to him, he's not there saying, oh, you again. You know, it's not like that. He's just absolutely delighted to see us. At the heart of the gospel message, there is this deep and wonderful sense of renewed and restored access to our heavenly Father. The Gospels give us this in really vivid form. Matthew, Mark and Luke, when they're telling the story of the crucifixion, take us from the cross, which is outside the city on a little hill. They take us from the moment of Jesus' death back inside the city, back into the temple, back into the Holy of Holies. And I'm sure as, as many of you know, what happens next? Tell me what happens next. I'll give you a clue. The curtain of the temple is torn in two, or the old language is it's rent in twain, which is a beautiful phrase, isn't it? Basically, that curtain that divides the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple is torn in two at that moment. It is a visual aid, uh, an, an explanation for what the death of Jesus accomplishes. No longer is it one priest once a year after very long and elaborate preparations. The way to God is now open to all of us. And you and I have access to the one who put the stars in their places. The one to whom every knee will one day bow to the one who will ultimately restore all things in the new heavens 
and the new earth. You and I have access. We are like priests who are, have every right. And more than that, he wants us to come to him. And this is part of the mystery and the joy and the privilege of prayer, isn't it? That when we begin, that when we say, Our Father in heaven, we are being reminded of to whom we go. We are being reminded of the fact that we have a right, that we have an opportunity, that we are assured of our welcome. So first and foremost, you and I have this glorious access. And maybe because it's something that we're used to, an idea that, that maybe we've been brought up with for many, many years, we forget how deep and profound and wonderful it is. It is there. It is real. It is powerful. You and I are welcome. Welcome to go to him. And he wants us to be with him. Firstly, we have access. Secondly, like royal priests, we have the opportunity to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have the opportunity and the privilege of offering worship. And of course, there are all sorts of, of, of wonderful ways in which we can offer that worship. We can offer it through our mouths. And it's great to come together and, and to sing, isn't it? To, to worship in the way that we have this morning. I know there's a whole variety of ways in which we can worship. We can worship with silence. We can worship with noise. We can worship in all sorts of different ways. But it's just great to worship him. This is part of who and how we are created to be. We have the opportunity to worship. Again, this was not always the case. In the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament, often people would come with their offering, with their, their, their sacrifice. The sacrifice would be taken off them by a priest. And the priest would give the sacrifice. And the priest would perform the ritual. And the priest would spread the blood. Then it would be given back for a feast. But they didn't offer it. It was the priest who did it. You don't need that. I don't need that. We are invited into the very presence of God there to worship to declare his goodness, to thank him for his blessings, to praise his holy name. We have that opportunity. And frankly, it doesn't matter whether you can sing like an angel or whether you growl horribly out of tune. What matters is what is going on in your heart, that you come to thank him for all that he has done, that you offer your sacrifice of praise. Let me assure you, at the football matches I have been to, which aren't very many, honestly, but nobody cares if you are out of tune. All they care about is that you're there and you're on the right side. When you come together as the people of God, it doesn't matter, does it? 
It doesn't matter whether some of us are in tune and some of us aren't. It doesn't even matter if those who aren't in tune don't even know that they're not in tune. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we get to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So firstly, it's about access. Secondly, it's about worship. What we do with our voices, but what we do with our lives. Because scripture is also clear, isn't it? The worship is the way in which we live our lives. St. Paul tells us in Romans, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. So it is what we sing and what we say and what we do when we come together as the people of God week by week. But it is also what we do as we leave. And we begin to worship him in our lives. And you know, this in some ways is the most profound privilege, but also the most profound responsibility of what it means to be a Christian. Because it is not and never has been just about what we do when we come together. It is every bit as much about how we live when we leave and we go about our daily lives. There's a song by a slightly ancient band called The Police in the 1980s that said these words, every breath you take and every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. And people old enough will now be singing it in their heads, okay? It won the Grammy Award for Best Song in 1983. There we are. There's more than a grain of truth in that. That God is watching us. But not in some accusatory way. Not waiting for us to slip up. Not sort of monitoring us for our mistakes. It's far deeper and more profound than that. He's by our side. He's within us and around us, urging us and encouraging us, and by his Spirit enabling us to live lives which are pleasing to him and fulfilling to us. Every step we take, every move we make, given over to him for his glory. And the mystery is that when we do that, the more we step into that, the more we step into the life and love and flourishing which God has in store for us. That the more we live as his holy priests, the more we taste life in all its fullness. Not a list of do's and don'ts but a wonderful, liberating stepping into our inheritance as the children of God, worshipping him every moment of every day. It's about access. It's about worship. And it's also about showing him to the world. 
Again, going back to the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, our first part of our story. There are times when the priests are castigated, where they are rebuked publicly because they do not serve faithfully, honestly, or with integrity. Listen to these words from Jeremiah. He says, both prophet and priest are godless. Even in my temple I find their wickedness. Therefore their path will become slippery. They will be banished to darkness, and there they will fall. You might remember the story of the boy Samuel who goes to the, to the sanctuary of Eli. And he's, he, he becomes Eli's servant. And you remember that story where the voice of God speaks to him. He says, and finally he realizes it's not Eli speaking. It's the voice of the Lord. And he says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And the message which comes is a message of judgment on Eli's house. Because his sons, who are priests, Hophni and Phinehas, are exploiting the people and taking too much of their offerings from them. Priests are expected to represent. They are to be people that other people look at and say, well, that's what God is like. And if we are called to be a royal and holy priesthood, then people will look at us and say, well, that's what God is like. They are representing God and the Lord Jesus to us. Now, as I say that, if you find that thought onerous or difficult or even frightening, please be reassured. We all mess up. We all have to come back to our Heavenly Father time after time to ask for his forgiveness We all do that. We are all a chosen people and a royal priesthood. We all mess up. We all need his forgiveness and his renewing grace. But we are all then called to show him forth to the world. It is far more an honour and a privilege and a joy than it is something to be worried about. Because your life of witness, your life of representing him, is important. Sometimes in church life you can be forgiven for thinking, well, we're all sitting here to help the person at the front do what they're doing. Actually, It's probably the other way round. The people at the front are here to encourage the rest of us in what we are doing every day. When you go to school or to work or with your neighbours or your family or you're meeting people in place of welcome or seedlings, the chances are you have a far greater opportunity to do what we are meant to be doing, to represent, to display, to show the love of God to others, probably than I do in an average week. We are here to help one another be God's holy priests, representatives of his to the world. And yes, 
He will hold us responsible. He will hold us accountable. And yes, there is responsibility there. But there is also joy and delight and honour. None of us are passengers. None of us are also rams. None of us are here to make anybody else look good. We are here together as the royal priesthood of God. With access to him. With the privilege of worshipping him. And then the honour of showing him to the world. Together. We are royal priests. Amen. Delighted that Claudia, I think, is going to lead us in our prayers this morning. So we'll continue.